Welcome to Quaddy Conversations from the team at Mercado. And uh, you're not hearing Olivia's dulcet tones today. You're hearing me, Robert Herman. And I'm going to be introducing because Olivia and Dave are tied up in Melbourne at conferences. But um, it's going to be a great session because today I've got Charlie DeFagley talking to us on Commodity Conversations. And Charlie is from a place called Doby, which not many people will know of, but it's quite close to Ararat, just south of Ararat. And along with his family, runs about 9,000 composite ewes, turning off those lambs uh, early in the, uh, later in the year, so usually around November. But the important thing we want to talk about today is what caught our attention is the uh, cutbacks that are coming from government departments, agricultural departments, into their extension and their R&D programs. And the reason I've got Charlie on board is that... Um, He's, he's been involved in this type of a program, these types of programs, and has been a leader in the farming world for some time. And in fact, in 2019, he was awarded the biennial A.W. Howard Medal for Excellence in Pasture Research. And I think that was the first time a farmer had been awarded that prestigious pasture improvement medal, usually going to scientists. So Tali's been a long-term advocate of science-based research and is well positioned to comment on the impact that the Ag Department budget cutbacks will be having on the agricultural uh, industry. So, Charlie, welcome to Commodity Conversations. Thank you, Rob, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, it's great to have you, Charlie, and uh, it is the middle of winter, or it feels like it here um, at the moment. I'm guessing where you are, it's quite cold as well. But um, I know that from reading some uh, some background research on this topic, um, you've been quoted as being quite concerned about this, and we know that the Victorian government is looking to make about $3.6 billion in savings in ag R&D. It, it's going to impact on over 100 positions, including 52 from the feed base, animal nutrition and soil teams. What's your take on that? And what will that mean to ag R&D and extension? In this case, we're talking about Victoria to start with. Rob, it disappoints me, but I think um, a lot of research has actually anyway. And... Um, if we sort of have a bit of a look back where I started, um, when I was president of the Grassland Society back in the 19, early 90s, um, it actually coincided when the, the wool industry crashed. And we were uh, at that time extending a lot of information that was being developed and research findings out of the um, Hamilton Institute, in particular the long-term phosphate trial. And that work was extended to many producers when their income from wool absolutely collapsed. And um, with the assistance of uh, Dr. Peter Sale from La Trobe Uni, we set up a program and it went through ARAP, as it was then known, which is now IWS, um, to extend to well over 100 producers who set up paired paddock programs. And the research had been done beforehand on the long-term phosphate trial. So we got producers to develop uh, something under their own management in their own environment. And we had an amazing um, return and got a lot of success. That uh, wouldn't have got up if it hadn't been for the research carried out by principally John Cayley at Hamilton. Uh, but his colleagues had set up other trial work right through Western Victoria extending the same information. That's all stopped now, um, and that's a, bit, a real disappointment because hundreds of people used to come to field days at Hamilton and, um, you know, there'd be cars everywhere wanting to see this research 
to help people improve their productivity and their viability. Now, there was also a really strong extension program that was attached to that because I do remember uh, Dr. Peter Schroeder, you know, went around the countryside explaining to people on their farms um, how they might implement that. And he started off with the department, but in the end, he ended up in private practice too, Charlie. Well, that was one of the other benefits that um, the the team at Hamilton actually would take on, well, not that Peter was a junior, but a lot of consultants now started and cut their teeth at Hamilton doing livestock and pasture research. And so they, I learned how to do good, uh, rigorous science uh, and research so that they could evaluate. And that's another skill that unfortunately we've lost because the juniors in the ag department these days really have come straight out of uni and they haven't had anywhere they can actually put some skills to practice. And it's we lament that because I think that's one of the biggest things that we miss today. Now, the um, you mentioned back in the day when um, you were first involved uh, and you mentioned wool, but I know that your business has changed in recent times, Charlie, and you're part of the southwest region which can lay claim to the highest concentration of red meat production in Australia. The Hamilton Research Farm, and it's probably got another name now, but I can remember it as the Hamilton Research Farm when, when I was growing up, uh, it's likely to be impacted by these cuts. Um, what's your understanding of the likely effects and what are your concerns about that? Well, I think it's really disappointing because at the moment, uh, if we're leading the way in red meat production, we've also got on the other side of the fence a lot of people wanting to stop red meat production because they're saying that it's damaging the climate, you know, um, methane uh, producing animals, now would be the most appropriate time to set up research because there's research happening, looking at ways that we can mitigate um, the impact of uh, methane into into, um, climate change. And, you know, instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and we know what red meat does in terms of jobs and income for the state, we should be enhancing it. Um, a research program came out just this week saying you should fence off all your dams because they are methane producers, but if you fence them off, they can actually be a sink and absorb carbon dioxide. So um, this sort of work needs to be extended. It needs to be evaluated, and I think it, be, it is such a shame. So what we've got now, it's buyer beware. There are people advocating various systems, they're not being uh, going through the proper science rigour to evaluate them. And um, I'll probably echo what Mark Wooten has been saying from Jigsaw Farms. If regenerative agriculture is so good, please put it through a a rigorous science evaluation program so that we can have faith in it, that it's actually something we should adopt. Whilst it lacks the definition, that's another side of it. But here would be another opportunity that it's more a community good. We copped a bit of criticism some time ago because it was all production-based research and um, not everyone was in favour of that. You had to spend a quid to make it and people that didn't like it were claiming that, um, oh, it's the high stocking rate programs and, and there were so many naysayers. And soon as it all stopped, those people come to the fore because there's not a system to evaluate anything else and it becomes quite prolific. It becomes gospel because it's not challenged or evaluated. And here we are, we've now got just buyer beware. And um, I've he- heard stories of people who've 
adopted some of these technologies and, and I just think what a shame um, because um, the old saying, if you want to make a small fortune, start with a big one. <laughs> well, that's um, true. And, and, and your point about um, doing the research is uh, it's, it's emphasised in the government's own papers, I think, where they, they tell us that the um, peer-reviewed research papers has fallen by 34% coming out of the Department of Ag in the last decade. Um, so that's a problem. Just um, to give people a bit more of a, an idea of, of how research has worked, you mentioned the, um, the, the paired programs with the phosphate program, Triple P, I think it was called. Um, but in recent times, we've, there's been a lot of work done with U management as well, Charlie. So that was at the very end of with the PVI. That, that was a follow-on from the long-term phosphate trial. So that was, uh, what was that called? That was the, um, um, so that all that work was done down at uh, Dave Robertson's place, Austral Park, and um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but that was in the days with good research. So it was all set up with proper um, stocking rate variations and we could go and see it. And I think half the finding in research to adoption is people to see it for a start. They need the witness factor. Yeah. And the second part was they then need their hand held while they actually have a crack at it and make sure they stick the proper rigour as they do it. A lot of research now starts but it doesn't finish properly. You end up with the wrong results. It gets confounded. Too many things are being looked at at the one time and all of a sudden you don't get a good result or you don't, you get an unfavourable result. Peter Walsh, yes. from the, uh, who's the leader of the Nationals in Victoria, and, and I'm and we know no fan of the government, but he made the observation that the Ag Department now has less staff than the Department of Premier and Cabinet. Does that mean, Charlie, that the private sector is going to step up into this space? And in some areas they do, but there are, there are constraints and there are limitations as to where they want to go with their research as well. And, and the other part is, like ourselves, we're actually doing research here um, in various things. We actually evaluate new pasture species under small paddocks. You said it's bleak. We've been out fencing today, so we've got paddocks for 10 hectares. I know it's cold. <laughs> but we're doing our own research, and no one else finds out about it unless they actually give me a dozen of beer or something <laughs> um, to share the results. Best or Best Lamb is doing some things through... Uh, well, there's some consultants, Jason Tromph, Andrew Kennedy, uh, Tim Leeming. They're all doing, there are programs, T90, looking at lamb survival. That work's going on, but the hard-edged research is not happening because it involves expensive, rigorous science to set it up. So we, we tinker at the edges, but unfortunately, we're missing out on the good hard science. Yes, and you mentioned Tim Leeming, and I noticed he was really concerned about the demise in the agricultural department uh, for exactly those reasons. Um, so, Charlie, do you think, you know, do you think this is going to uh, sort itself out? I mean, agriculture is a great way of sorting itself out, but is it going to sort itself out and, and someone else going to step in or are we just going to find that we're going to progress far less quickly and more slowly than what we would have? And, and you made a point earlier about, animal welfare and uh, and how we look after our pastures and and the carbon footprint and all those things that are coming at us, they really do need some pretty serious investment at this time. So it, it is a bit 
difficult to understand why we're seeing these cutbacks. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting, Rob, because um, we've got uh, calls everywhere for um, climate action, but here would be an example of a program that's got community benefit, not just purely farmer benefit. And I, I, for the love of me, I can't understand why it doesn't get up. I think there's a couple of reasons why it, why it doesn't get up. We actually haven't got the staff within the department that have got the skills to actually and the drive and the vision to lead it. They've all gone. They've gone to private enterprise. The other one is I think that we're now fighting for dollars with levy out of red meat and mm. and it's that is at this stage a lot of MLA money goes north, as we know, um, and it's really hard to battle. They set up groups, um, and I just think nothing hits the road. It's just it's but we need someone with a vision to lead it. And, and until we can find that type of people in science or a group, it, it's going to be just very slow roads at the moment. Yes, well, of course, that vision is uh, something that agriculture screams out for all the time. Um, but we, we are, as an industry, we should be congratulated to some degree because we have embraced science to get to where we are in recent times. That's where the big gains have come. So, you know, what would you be saying to you know, the government now about wh where they should be focusing on in trying to assist agriculture. Um, it, and, and look, we're talking about got nationally a $100 billion business, you know, coming up. It's it's significant, isn't it? Oh, undoubtedly. And I think uh, for the preservation of that industry, we, we're mad if we don't start doing good research that uh, can prove to the consumer at large that red meat's not the devil, it's actually the solution. And um, but give give some uh, leadership and uh, opportunities that uh, producers can actually embrace and take up, so that we enhance um, our situation, not throw it out. Yes, exactly, Charlie. And uh, you know, there's no doubt that we we do need to defend our industry um, quite regularly. Um, and and the way to do it is to have sound science based. Uh, evidence behind you and, um, and and that always helps and, and it's a way to engage with our customers. We're seeing that in a number of areas. Charlie, um, just tell us a little bit about the program you're up, what, what you're up to on the farm right now. What's the state of the, the pastures? What's the state of the ewes? Just as a bit of information for our, uh, our listeners. You're right in the heart of Western Victoria, which um, I can remember when I used to work at Hamilton, Charlie, there were people in in the elders network who said they'd never come south of the divide because it was too tough, too cold. But um, but you've made a good living there. We've um, uh, we're about a month off lambing, Rob. Um, we split lambing over three different periods because uh, work to manage workload. So our family business is um, homebred uh, labour. Um, yeah, I work with the boys. The um, uh, the year, we shear in December. All our lambs, weather lambs go off uh, into the store market. They're sold at 40 kilograms at 100 to 110 days because we've only got a six to five to seven month growing period. We don't have a nine or 10. And um, we we just produce truck, B double truckloads of lambs at 40 kilograms and the money that we make on them is as good as we will. And we're looking after our use, our scanning rates are around the 160 to 175%. Um, 
And we then shut the farm down. There's not many lambs left in November. They've gone mostly in October. And um, we we used to run high stocking rates of merinos and you could find your the shifter when it fell off the back of the ute. By the end of April, be another paddocks were absolutely nude, bare and dusty. Now we're the complete opposite. We've incorporated rotational grazing, small paddocks. We've got our survival rate of lambs to around the 90% mark, or survival feeder, sorry. And, and it's just such a great enterprise. We don't make any money out of the wool. In fact, uh, after we sell the wool, we've still got to find some extra cash to cover the cost of shearing. But that doesn't matter. It's the whole, the whole picture that counts. Um, unlike some, we haven't put a, a wool sheep back into the system because um, it's just a lamb production system. One of the things that I think we're going to is to have to face is we're going to have to tell us the story about what we do with our stock going forward. Um, how well do we look after our pastures, the survival of all our stock, our staff, you know, how everyone gets looked after there. And it's all going to be part of a big picture that it's going to, it'll be market access. I actually don't think you'll get any more. It'll be market access. Uh, and the big companies won't want to deal with you unless you're right across all that part of your, um, your business. So, the environment, uh, people, uh, animal welfare, critical. We haven't mules for 12 years, so I've forgotten what that's like. Um, or probably not really, but anyway. <laughs> uh, the, um, it's, it's all bloodless when we landmark now. We use anaesthetic. All of that is part of a big picture that we will need to have as part of our story to maintain our market share as we go forward. Yes, I couldn't agree more, Charlie. And, um, you know, you along with other progressives are, are positioning yourselves for that. And it's a, it is about what we do, but it's about how we tell the story and, and making sure that our customers are informed and giving them the confidence that we do do the right thing. Charlie, it's a, uh, it's a great day to be sitting inside talking, but uh, you've probably got more fencing to do. Um, you've certainly opened up um, some lines of information for us that we'll need to follow up in the future. So I'm hoping we can have you back again on the, in the future, Charlie, and thank you very much for joining Commodity Conversations. Rob, thank you. And, look, thank you for what you do. I find the work that Mercado does um, extremely valuable for our business and the taking that long-term view and being realistic about our positioning ourselves and our business, it's, it's a great help. Um, I love your market reports and your commentary. So keep it up, keep the good work up. Uh, I'm, I've only bought two gates in my life and I'm not going to buy any more, but I'm certainly going to um, uh, stick to, I think, what is a pretty exciting enterprise. I think you're right. And I think uh, this episode of Commodity Conversations will be going down as an exciting episode. Thanks to you, Charlie. All the best. Cheers. Thanks, Rob. All the best. Thanks for listening to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're looking for more detailed information on commodity markets, you can head to the Mercado website and pick up a premium subscription, which will give you full access to all our archive of reports, as well as all the fresh analysis as it's delivered and access to our team of analysts. Thanks again. And until next week, take care.